good morning. How are we? I don't know if y'all noticed when we pulled in this morning, there's a big tent in the parking lot. You know, I mean, it's such a cool thing. You know, Friday night, in case you're unaware, Friday night we had, uh, our, I think, a seventh or eighth annual blessing ball. That's when we roll up the red carpet for uh, the uh, uh, special needs uh, people, uh, mentally and physically handicapped people in our community. Uh, and, uh, and, and we have a big dance, and we have games and food. And, and, uh, and so the official count, or the unofficial count, because we've given it, because I don't know exactly, but somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 uh, guests were here, or 140, I'm sorry, 140 guests were here uh, for the night. Uh, we had uh, about double that volunteer, because we had a, a volunteer for each individual, each guest we had, and then tons of people decorating and setting up and, and cooking, and it was just fantastic. So we had uh, in, the, in the ballpark of 500 people here Friday night partying hard, all right? And so let me just say... Big shout out to the leadership that put that together, Sally Levi, Sarah Wells. I know Emily McCauley and Jenny and a, a bunch of people uh, really uh, dove in there and, and did a great work. And so I want to say thank you. Uh, there's some great videos, some dancing. I've got a couple of you on video dancing. And let me just tell you, that's probably going to reemerge, all right? Uh, I can be quiet. I, I can be as silent as Cornish. That's all you need to know. Uh, I, just kidding, but hey, we are in the fourth week of a series that we, we're calling PS23. We've been looking at the Psalm, the 23rd Psalm, and, and kind of saying, you know, here's the thing, if you're new or fairly new here, this is a great series for you to be uh, here at, at because we're diving into our values, what we do and why we do what we do, and kind of uh, each year we try to do this, uh, kind of just lay out the full plan, you know, this is our values, this is what's important to us at a minis- as a ministry, and so if you're new, this is a great time. Uh, to, to be hearing about these verse. You know, last week or two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we started the first, uh, the first uh, part of this, and we looked at value number one, and that's the Bible. And, and we said the Bible gives us a better way to live. See, here's the thing. When we live according to the Bible, the simple truth is our lives get better. Now, now here, here, here's the, the catch to that. We don't accept the Bible because it's the Bible. All right, and hear me carefully. Don't like email Monday and be like, oh, John doesn't believe in the Bible. I do. Here's what I want you to hear. We're not advocating blindly accepting the Bible's teaching. We don't just blindly accept the Bible's teaching. You know, there, there, there's, this, there's a saying that you're probably very familiar with. And again, Tammy kind of warned you last week. I'm going to warn you this week. Don't amen once I say this, okay? Because then I'm going to bash it. So don't amen. But there's this saying that says, uh, the Bible says it, I believe it. And that settles it. And while that might sound really good, that often leaves me wanting when I face a circumstance, a difficult time in my life. It's being challenged and rightly challenged uh, all over the, the, the nation and in our colleges and universities that's being challenged. You know, how can you believe blindly what this book says? We don't blindly believe. Here's what we do. We, we look at who wrote it. We say, you know what, the New Testament, let's just start there. The New Testament was written by early eyewitnesses. These aren't people just talking about what happened historically. These are guys that say, I was there, I saw it. That's pretty key. And we know it's eyewitnesses because they put embarrassing testimony in it. If I'm writing a fictional novel, a fictional novel, I'm the hero. I'm not one of the disciples hiding in the upper room. No, sir. I'm strapped. I'm, I'm armed. I'm, I'm strapped for battle. I'm 
beating up uh, the dudes that are trying to attack. Like, I'm the hero in the story, not the scaredy cat in hiding. And then we consider Paul, for example. Paul, we know, was formerly Saul, and, and his job was to, he was persecuting, violently persecuting the church. But something happened. Something happened that took him from the violent persecutor of the church to someone who, who is arguably the most dangerous evangelistic missionary ever. We're here today because of the impact of Paul. So what happened to make him do a 180? Well, we know Scripture tells us that he had a face-to-face encounter with the risen Lord. And he said, you know what, there's something here. We take into account the eyewitness scripture. Consider this, the book of James written by the brother of Jesus. Now, how many of you have a sibling? <laughs> yeah. Consider for just a moment being the sibling of Jesus. There's no question who, who Mom's favorite is, right? Can you imagine? I mean, I, I, I just, I, this is kind of a, a joke, but not really. Can you imagine growing up with Jesus as your brother? How was that? When your mom says, Why can't you be more like Jesus? She means it, and she's right. <laughs> Did you all see about two weeks ago the state representative for Arizona? Gaffer, I think his name. He had six of his siblings come out in a in, in one of those political advertisements, uh, endorsing his opponent. Six brothers and sisters endorsing your opponent. Let me just tell you now, I would love to be a fly on the wall this Thanksgiving, because <laughs> I thrive in that environment, <laughs> which is identifying my symptoms more than you need to know. However. What takes a brother of Jesus? I mean, one of the gospel accounts says that at one point Jesus is teaching outside the house, and his mother and his, si- and his siblings are outside, and they're saying, oh, man, he's lost his mind. This dude is embarrassing. Uh, he's, holy cow, he's nuts. What takes them from saying he's nuts? You know, they were saying, Jesus, come outside and eat, okay? You're talking, you know, <laughs> you should have had a Snickers, you know? What takes them from, from that route? For James now being one of the key leaders in the Christian church, saying, yeah, my, my brother is the risen Lord. <laughs> That's no accident. We accept the Bible because of eyewitness testimony, because it's early written, because, because it's not just people writing about what happened. It's the people saying, look, I saw it. I saw it with my own eyes. It's incredible. And so we accept it on those accounts. And, and we believe that the Bible gives us a better way to live. That's why there's credibility in the Bible, because of who wrote it. We're not saying we blindly accept what the Bible says. Let's dive in, let's figure out what it says and why it says and who wrote it. And so, so, so we're not advocating for a blind faith, but an informed faith. Value number two, Jesus. We say Jesus connects us to God. And the word there, you've heard before, uh, with, with, with no question, you've heard this word, grace. Grace is unearned favor. Here's the simple truth. You're bad, I'm bad. Even on our best days, we can't be good enough. But God, Jesus connects us to God through grace. Not that I deserve it, not that you deserve it. He connects us to God through grace. And here's the thing. We talk about how we're saved. Jesus connects us to God and he saves us from destruction. But that destruction is not just destruction, like the destruction that we, you know, I want to be a Christian because I don't want to go to hell and I want to go to heaven. No. I mean, yes, that happens. But he's not just saving us for for heaven's purposes, but he's saving us for salvation. 
See, here's the thing. When I'm connected with the Lord and I'm leaning on His Word to guide my steps, not only am I saved from destruction eternally, but, I, but I'm able to, to, to be saved from destruction in the choices of my everyday life. <coughs> Jesus connected us with God. The big idea here is that we're not just saved from the destruction of hell and for heaven, but our lives can improve today because of our connection to God. And here's why. We don't make the easy choices that lead to destruction. In fact, we do what's right according to God's Word, even when it's hard. And this is tough, and this is something that we continually struggle with. Each and every one of us will continually struggle with doing what's right, even when it's hard, because the easy thing is often the wrong thing to do. We do what's right even when it's hard. Uh, let's read together, if you don't mind. Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. We're going to kind of uh, recall this, all right? Re- read this aloud with me. The Lord is my shepherd. <coughs> he restores my soul. Fantastic. Beautiful. Wonderful. Y'all are getting good at that. Now, here's the thing. Today, we move to verse four. Verse four. Are you ready? Yes, he is. And then if it's no, and then, well, don't say it out loud. Okay, here we go. Verse four. Even though I walk See, there's a myth today that you've probably heard, and, and maybe it, it hasn't been said out loud, but it's the practice. We've seen this. There's a great myth today, today that says, if I'm a Christian, nothing bad happens. Now, some of you chuckle because you know better, right? But the truth is, many, many people practice this. That they've, they've been led with this false gospel and say, you know, if you're a Christian, nothing bad will happen. Here's how it plays out. They say, you know, if, if you pray and you go to church and you live a good moral life, then nothing bad will happen to you. And that's just a hard pill to swallow because it's not true. So if you're under that type of thinking, I go to church and I live a good moral life and I'm faithful to my wife and I give money to church and I pray and I read my Bible every now and then, you know, you know whatever it is. What happens then when the doctor comes into your room and he says those two dreaded words? It's cancer. What do you do with that faith when, when you've been trying and trying and trying to get pregnant and yet another negative on the pregnancy test? Where does that faith lead you when tragedy strikes out of nowhere and you have to bury a loved one or a child? I'll tell you where it leads. Go see it. You walk away. You walk away from faith. You stop coming to church and you blame God and you say, God, you promised. You promised I was good. I was faithful. I did everything you expected me to do and you failed me. You stop coming to church and eventually someone will run to you at Walmart and they'll say, hey, where you been? I haven't seen you at church for a while. And you'll come up with a with an excuse, well, I've just been busy, soccer, you know, whatever. And you'll show up maybe a couple more times and you'll kind of drift out. And you'll stop coming all together. Why? All because you believe a lie. 
You bought into this idea that God keeps bad things away if you do X and X and X. Here's the thing, that's never a promise of God. You say, God, you promised, but God's saying, no, I I never promised you that. There's a terrible heresy that's popular in the church today, and in America specifically, it says that if I'm good enough, if I pray enough, if I'm faithful enough, then God will bless me and no bad things will happen. And, and if I'm sick, I'll be healed. And if I'm, and if I'm poor, I'll, I'll be made rich. And if I just believe enough, it's called the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. And it's no good news at all. And the people who believe it will say, well, you just need to pray more. Really? Or you, or you just need to have more faith. Really? Jesus very clearly told his disciples in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, look, I've told you this please, so that you can have peace because in this world you might have trouble. You might have trouble. He says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You will have trouble. You will have heartache. You will have unexpected loss. You will have terrible things that happen to you. You will. There's no avoiding it. You can, you can do everything right and still experience Bad times. You will. And so let's look at what the psalmist says in verse 4 to help us deal with this. It's inevitable. We will face these times. Here's what the psalmist says. He says, even though, even though I walk through the darkest valley, even though, even though I do everything right, I'm going to come to that valley. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They give me comfort. Even though I do my best, the valleys still come. Now, here's something cool that happens in the text here. So, uh, uh, play this game with me. We're going to fill in the blanks. Verse 1, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Now, notice that's all pointing ahead. Look what happens here in verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil because you are with me. You see how that, that pronoun shifts from that, from that third person pronoun to, to it's no longer he, it's, it's you. You're with me. You are with me. You're not leading in the valley. You're, you're here beside me. Now here's the thing about the valley. The valley is often necessary. The picture that the psalmist is painting here is a picture of a seasonal traveling. They're, they're, uh, they travel each season from the lowlands where the sheep would have spent the winter through the valleys to the high pastures where they go in the summertime. And these valleys, uh, these are places of, of rich pasture and plenty of water, but they're also places of danger. Wild animals lurk in the broken canyon walls, and sudden storms may come, and there may be floods. And since the sun doesn't shine uh, well into the valley, there are deep shadows, which at any moment be could become the shadow of death. But it's important to note, and I'm going to say this twice so we understand it and hear it, it's important to note that the valley of the shadow of death is as much God's right path for us as the green pastures beside still water. 
I'm going to say it again. The valley of the shadow of death is as much God's right path for us as the green pastures of California. The Christian life is not always tranquil. It's not always smooth sailing on a waveless sea. There are bumps. There are hard times. There are scary moments. In the valley, with their trials and the dangers, here's the thing. We are given the opportunity to develop rich character. The writer of Hebrews, where this is written, within uh, Jesus' lifetime, he says, look, look here, he says, in the, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. He went through the house. To him, God, who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. This is the big part. Although he was a son, referring to Jesus, Jesus was the son of God, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Man, when I, first, when I read this, it was like I read it for the first time. Jesus learned obedience through his suffering. Now, now, here's the thing. In our sufferings, if Jesus can learn obedience through his sufferings, wouldn't it make sense for us to conclude that we too can learn obedience from our suffering? You see, sometimes there's a purpose in our suffering. Let me be clear. If you approach someone who is in a valley and they're struggling, and you say something to the extent of, well, I guess you'll learn obedience. Prepare yourself for a rightly deserved throat punch, okay? That is not the proper response to someone who's suffering. Let me be clear. I'm not saying that your suffering shows a flaw in your obedience, and I'm not saying that your suffering... Uh, the suffering you're enduring is because of disobedience. That's not necessarily what I'm saying. I'm saying that through that suffering, we can learn to be obedient to the good shepherd. This is what the psalmist says. He says, even though I walk through the valley, it's going to happen. It's not necessarily my choosing. Sometimes this is the right path for me. Even though I walk through that valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they give me comfort. So what's the answer to the valley of the shadow of death? What's the answer to the fear when the doctor comes in and says, you're cancer, bye? What's the answer to the anger and the fear and the uneasiness with another pregnancy test that comes back negative? Or a child that unexpectedly dies? What's the answer? The psalmist tells us the answer to that hurt, that uncertainty, that sense of loss. The answer is found in the close presence of the shepherd. You are with me. I don't fear, he says, because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. The shepherd is no longer ahead of us in the valley to lead us, but now alongside us to escort in times of need, of fear, companionship with the shepherd is good. And here's a good part. He is on us. With me. He's on us. See, see, the rod was used to defend against outside attacks. And, and sometimes the valleys that we're in is because of outside attacks. The cancer is not a result of your mistake or your rebellion. All of our bodies are failing each day. Our bodies are breaking down because these bodies are only temporary. 
Sometimes we get sick. Sometimes because of the broken world that we live in, we're unable to get pregnant. That's not our fault. This is a symptom of the fallen state of creation. And sometimes we lose our houses in floods or a hurricane or freak gas explosion. All of these things would lead us to a time in the valley where things are tough, where things are scary, where things are uneasy. They're not a result of my misstep. And the rod is there to protect us from these outside effects. We'll have to deal with them. We'll have to walk through them, but they won't crush us. They won't destroy us. <clears throat> Sometimes we're in a valley of life because of, a, because of someone else's missteps, essentially. Maybe you're, you're in a valley because your spouse has been unfaithful. Maybe your valley has been created by someone else's sin. A lot of good people have often uh, excused their sinfulness by saying, well, it's only hurting me, only to eventually look back and see rows of casualties along the way. Sometimes the valley that we are in is because of other people's sinfulness. The rod is there to protect us. So while we have to endure those times, it won't defeat us, it won't crush us, it won't ruin us. If you're here today and you are in that valley because of someone else's sinfulness, let's gain encouragement from the psalmist who says you're with me. The good shepherd is with me, I will not fear. truth is we all need a shepherd, a good shepherd, because if left to our own, we get into trouble. That's what the staff for. The staff is not necessarily to defend against outside attacks, but to guide us because we need it. And it, I, I saw this yesterday. The term was already finished, and then I saw this video, and I thought, this is perfect. This is us. If left on our own, that's the result we get. How many of you have been stuck in college? Not necessarily physically, maybe physically, but, but, but I mean, how many of us have gotten ourselves in a bad situation? We asked for it, we did it ourselves. Here, here's, a, here's an example that comes to my mind. Sometimes our valleys are because of our own doing. We do it to ourselves. If I were to leave here this morning, I go to the bar and I drink until I'm drunk and I get behind the wheel of a car and I start driving down the road and then I'm going to see blue lights behind me, What's going to happen? I'm going to get pulled over. I'm going to get tired with a DUI. I'm going to lose my license. And I'll definitely be walking through the valley of the shadow of death because I can't drive. Some of you get that joke. Some of you, it'll get better. Um, sometimes our sinfulness is our own doing. We put ourselves in this position that we can't get out of, and that's why we need a good shepherd with a good staff to correct us, to guide us, to lead us. Otherwise, we end up in a tie. If you're here today and you're walking through a dark valley that you've put yourself in, you like this is your doing, if you're this, the Lord loves you. And he will stay there with you if you allow him. But that valley is a tool for discipline. That, that, that staff that the shepherd has is for discipline. Because here's the thing, discipline is love. Discipline is love. Every parent understands that. If I love my children, I'll discipline them. If I don't love my children, I won't discipline them. Every parent understands that. Every child doesn't understand until they become a parent. And then they say, oh, wow, that makes a lot of sense now. 
disciplined breath. Whatever it is, whatever the cause for your valley, understand that the shepherd is with you. Maybe it's your sinfulness, maybe it's someone else's. But here's the thing, maybe it's just the necessary path that you must travel to get to the new pasture. The psalmist tells us that we are to not fear. I will not fear because you are with me. You are enough. You are all I need. Regardless of how rocky and how scary the road ahead might be, you are enough. Our companion in those valleys is what gets us through. The valleys of the shadow of death are often avoidable. Somebody told me uh, between services to remember, uh, it's just the shadow of death. It's not death. Jesus dealt with that. Remember, this is just the shadow of death. And often that shadow of death, that, that dark valley, is unavoidable. Sometimes they're necessary. In them, we can learn to trust the shepherd. Through suffering, we can learn to be obedient to the shepherd, to lean on him, to trust his guidance, even when it's hard. I want to share with you a short sermon clip of a message by John Piper. John Piper is preaching this message, and primarily his, 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 his focus is on uh, the missionary world and what's happening in, in, with some of the missionaries around the world. Uh, but I want you to hear what happens in that valley. I want you to hear, really hear his comments about the valley. Because I think they greatly apply to us today. Let's watch that together. The powerful message. Regardless of what happens, you are enough. You are with me in this valley. Everything else may fail, but not you. That brings me kind of a long way to our third value here at Leesburg, and that's community. See, Jesus promises to stay with us, to be with us, to guide us. He not only connects us back to God through his death, burial, and resurrection, but he also connects us to one another. You see, when we're in that valley, we might be tempted to run. We're often tempted to turn back because we see the road ahead is scary and difficult and hard. We might be tempted to backpedal, to escape, to avoid. Look at what the writer of Hebrews said to the first century churches. He said, let's consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Because here's the thing, the valley can't last forever. You and I are not meant to do this life alone. Here's the, the simple truth. Your best shot and my best shot at success through the tough times is doing life together. Because life is better together. Funerals are better together. Loss is better together. I did a funeral uh, four years ago or so. And it was probably the saddest funeral I'd ever done. I've done a, a good handful over the past 10 years. This was, this was tough. This was a non-believer. And we stood around at the graveside. And 
was a handful of people, maybe five, six in total. And I remember asking, guys, I'd like to open it up if there's any memories or thoughts. This is the first and the last time I would ever do this. So do you have any thoughts, memories that you'd like to share so we can remember this guy that passed? And everyone stood there and looked. I'm waiting for someone to say something, and all of a sudden I get incredibly nervous. I'm like, here we go. I've made a terrible mistake. It was one of the darkest funerals I've ever seen or heard of. Our best shot at doing life, doing life well and success through the tough times is together. My heart poured out to this family who had no hope. Life was better together. That's Jesus' plan, his goal. In Acts chapter 2, verse 44, it said, All who believed were together and they had all things in common. The earliest followers of Jesus understood that sharing what they had physically, emotionally, and financially, that was Jesus' goal of togetherness. Our goal here at Leesburg is, is to come alongside people and actually do life with other people. That's why we do bowls on Thursday nights, our men's ministry. So that guys have guys to lean on to, to support. That's why the women's online uh, community is, it happens, so we can be connected with one another. Because who do you call when things go bad? The, the simple truth is this. Uh, you are going to face valleys. You're either going to be alone or you've got to be with the good shepherd and with other people spurring you on. Every one of us will have bad times, we'll have hard times. Will we be alone or will we be in step with the good shepherd and community? So I'm done. And everybody said amen. Um, let me ask you this. Are you alone in that valley? Maybe you're in that valley today and, and you're looking and things are scary and things are dark and you're like, holy cow, how can I make it through this? And you're realizing maybe for the first time, hopefully if you're alone, you realize you're alone. You're, hopefully you're realizing that the good shepherd is not here with me. And, and here's why, because I've never accepted him as my Lord, my master, my, my savior. I've never, I've never joined my life with his. I want to encourage you today, don't leave this. If you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus and said, Jesus, look, I've gotten myself in this valley and, and life is miserable and lonely. I know I can't save myself. I need a Savior. If that's hitting you today, I want to ask you, what are you waiting for? Don't leave here today alone. Maybe maybe you've surrendered your life to the Lord and been obedient in baptism, but you're looking around and you're saying, look, I, I've got the Lord with me, but I don't have community around. I want to ask you and encourage you to get in a community. Bold or women's ministry or any of the small groups. Maybe, maybe you're here in the valley today and you don't have anybody. Don't leave here today without making a plan and resolving to get with people, to have people to spur you uh, toward acts of love and, and spur you on. Don't leave today without community. I'd be more than happy to talk to you about what that means to be in a community and how, how you can get involved in a community. Maybe you're here today and you've got people above on you. You've, you've surrendered your life to the Lord, but you're still in the valley because you are grieving a terrible loss. 
you're in a, if you're in a deep valley and things have been tough for a long time, let me just plug this one group that I think is so important for many of us. And it's grief care. If you're here today and you're, and you're struggling with a loss of a loved one, grief care meets on Tuesday night at Cornerstone Christian Church in Cincinnati at, at 6 o'clock. I'm going to encourage you to get into a community today of people who understand and feel and can relate to the pain that you're going through and point you continually back to Jesus, the good shepherd who's not alone, who hasn't left you alone in that valley, but who's walking with you. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what your story is, but I know that every single one of us have a next step. That's, I think that's what the purpose of church is. What is your next step today? Maybe it's to be in a community. Maybe it's to surrender your life. Maybe it's grief care. Maybe it's just, I need to talk to somebody and pray with somebody. Here's your opportunity today. The band's going to come out and lead us in another song, and this is your opportunity if you want to come talk to me or somebody else. Don't leave today uncertain. And, and, and my prayer in just a minute is going to be that the Holy Spirit convicts each and every one of us. Because here's the thing, I believe that each and every one of us have a next step. And so what's your next step? Maybe your next step, and maybe you've been attending here for a while, and you say, you know what, I've been attending, but I want to join this community of believers. I want to form community here and put Luke to the right. I want to encourage you to do that today. Don't leave today without a next step. Don't leave with question whether or not you're alone. Today's your day. What do you want to do? Lord, we come to you now. We thank you so much for the gospel. Lord, we thank you for being the good shepherd. We thank you for being with us, even in the darkest times, even, even, even when things look uh, incredibly scary, you promise to be with us, and because of that and your, your close proximity with us, we can say boldly that we will not fear, because you're with us. Holy Spirit, I pray that if someone's here today and they've never surrendered their life to you, I pray that you, you convict them, and you, if they won't bow that knee, Lord, I pray that you break them. If, if, if someone's here today and, and they need to be in a, in a community, Lord, I pray that you, that you convict their hearts, that you, that you encourage them and give them the strength and encouragement to seek out and find that community. I don't care whether it's a group here or maybe it's just a couple that they sit next to in church. Maybe they go out, you know, every now and then and share life together and talk and encourage one another. Lord, help us to have connection. I don't know what it is, Lord, but I, I fully believe and I, I'm expecting that you have a next step for every individual here. And so, Lord, I pray that that is crystal clear in our minds. Lord, don't allow us to leave here the same way we came today. Lord, help us to leave and equip us to leave encouraged that you are with us. We thank you for that. And we pray this in his name. If you will stand and sing with me, if you need to make a decision or talk or pray, now's your opportunity.